Thank you, Reagan, for reading God's Word to us this morning. Uh, it's, it's good that we can gather here in this place, and I'm excited that we get to continue this series called Next Door As It Is in Heaven. And think about what it means for us as followers of Jesus, as believers in Him, uh, to actually do what He said and to love our actual, literal neighbors. Uh, I want to just take a quick moment before we dive in uh, to the message this morning to remind you about uh, October 29th, Engage Sunday. It's a day for us as a church to literally put this into action. And if you were here last week, we mentioned this, but I'll, I'll say it again. That'll be a Sunday where it'll be a little bit different uh, because we won't gather to hear a message. You're going to be the message. We'll gather and then we'll go from this place to serve different uh, people in our community here in Capel and the surrounding areas and to go be Jesus, to be the hands and feet of Christ uh, to people all throughout our city. And then we'll gather back that night and enjoy some food and tell stories and share in communion and t- talk about all the good things that God did that day in this place and in this area as we sort of gave a day away to serving Jesus here. And I'm excited about the 29th. Um, if, you, if you haven't already, you probably noticed on the way in this morning there are sign-up sheets already out uh, for several opportunities. Uh, some of you have said, well, what if, what if we have an idea? What if we uh, want to get our small group and do something or gather a group of people and go do something that we have an idea for to help someone in need? That's fantastic too. But what we want to do is we want to know about that uh, because we want to be able to, to account for everyone. Our goal is to have literally... Everybody involved, 100% participation on this day. And there'll be opportunities for everyone to serve, no matter how old or how young you are. So my request is is simple. Uh, If you want to, uh, sign up for something outside in the lobby on the sign-up sheets, a way to serve that day. If you want to do your own thing and you've got an idea of someone or someplace or somehow you can serve that day with a group of people, if you would text or email Kara Dunn, Kara's sort of running, uh, running shop for us on this and keeping all of it organized, let her know about that opportunity as well and that you're going to be doing that with a group of 10 people or 20 people or whatever number of people. That way we can kind of keep account and know that everyone is involved that day. It's going to be a great day for our church and I truly am excited about it. A chance for us to be literally good neighbors to those who live next door to us here in this city and in this area. So today, I want to dive into sort of part two of this. And if you're here last week, you're thinking, well, Corey, you just talked about the Good Samaritan. You just talked about the story of Jesus. But we're going to do something that may sound a little bit unorthodox. Easy for me to say. We're going to, we're going to spend every week for, the, for these few weeks in the same story, in the same words of Jesus, thinking about truly what does it mean for us to be the, this kind of people. And I want to start with this question. How many of you love to find loopholes? Do we have anybody that loves to find the loopholes? Students, all of you should raise your hands right now, you know, because all of us, we, like, we know exactly what we're supposed to do. We know technically what we're supposed to do, but we're always looking for a way around it, a way either not to do it or to make what is hard a little bit easier. I love this story that I, I saw last semester. There's a professor, here's this picture named Reb Beatty. Professor Beatty is, is a, a, a professor at a community college in Maryland. And he teaches a, a class on financial accounting. And, and every year, every semester, he does the same thing with the students. He says, hey, for the first test, you can, be, you can bring a 3 by 5 note card uh, to the test. You know, put down as many notes as you can to help you on the test, and that'll be fantastic. And so he, he gave his class the same instruction. The first test was quickly approaching. And on the day the test arrived, in walked Elijah Bowen, one of his students, with a 3 foot by 5 foot note card with all of his notes. Well, at first, Professor Betty was like, you can't do that. And Elijah was like, well, nowhere in your syllabus or in the written instructions, nowhere did you, like, specify the measurement unit. You just said three by five card. 
So the professor goes back to his papers and he's scrambling through, looks at the syllabus, pulls up his stuff on his computer. Sure enough, he just put three X, five, he never put any measurements. And so he felt like he had to allow Elijah to use this huge, enormous card with everything possible on it. And of course, he aces the test. In case you're thinking about going to school there, he changed the syllabus to put three inch by five inch card, which is what he meant, right? You know, we do this. We look for loopholes. We look for ways around to make things easier or to get out of things that are hard. We do this in so many areas of our life. What's scary to me, though, is how we do this with Jesus. What's scary to me is how we do this with our spiritual lives. And I, don't, I know we would never say this out loud, but I, if you're anything like me, this is what we do, right? Like, I know Jesus says, but what I really want is. I know Jesus says we should love everybody. But you don't know what he did. You have no idea what she did. Did you hear what he said about me? Do you know what she thought? I know I'm supposed to love everybody, but I I just can't love that. I know Jesus says that we should be generous givers. And all throughout Scripture we're taught how to be people of uncommon generosity. And God is a God of uncommon generosity. He even gave his own son, his life for us. But I know what God really wants is for me to be happy. And for me to be happy would mean that I use that same money that I earned, you know, to buy what I want, and, you know, maybe I can use it for church, maybe I can use it for a small group, we'll have people over to enjoy it, but what I really want is this, and if I could just have this, I'll be happy. I know I should be a generous giver, but what I really want, I know, I know Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, but, but I did this really awesome thing, and we got a selfie, and I want to put it on social media so everybody can see what a great Christian I am, and I know if they could see this about me, it'd be fantastic, but... You know, I know what Jesus says, but what I really want is. And if you're anything like me, you spent a whole lot of your life knowing what Jesus said, but finding ways around it to do what you really want and hopefully still be okay with God so that if Jesus came back tomorrow, that old line, you could still get into heaven. And I have to just stop and ask the question. Does anybody in the room think, even for a moment, even if, you, even if you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus and you just stumbled in the door, you came because somebody said they would buy you lunch and you're here today, do, does anybody in the room even think for a moment that that is the life that Jesus intended for those who chose to follow him? That Jesus wanted to create a system where we would have to find loopholes to be happy? And what would life look like if we just decided... To do what Jesus said. If we believed his promise that he said that he came that we could have life and life to the full, abundant life. What would life look like if we literally went all in with God and just simply did what Jesus said in every situation to the best of our ability? If you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at Luke 10. We're back in this same story and Reagan did a beautiful job reading it. And I want to walk through it again with you this morning because I want us to think carefully about the story of Jesus. This is a story told again by Luke. Luke uh, was not a Jewish man. Luke was a Greek doctor, a smart, educated man. And he, he wrote this account based on several eyewitness accounts. And this is a story we have about an interaction Jesus has with someone who is described as a religious expert in the law. That's the law of Moses. That means like he knew the first five books of the Bible by memory. Super smart guy. Jesus, if you remember, is on his way to Jerusalem. 
And this is the journey, but when he goes there, he's not coming back, right? He's going there to die on the cross. He knows where he's headed. And on this journey to Jerusalem, where he will face the cross, Jesus encounters this guy, and this is the conversation they had. Again, one day, an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus and asked him this question. This is the first question. I want you to hear it, but I want you to hang on for the second question. The first question was this, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What do I got to do to get to heaven? Jesus replied, what, what does the law of Moses say? You're an expert. How do you read it? Well, the man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus told him, Right. Ding, ding, ding. You got it. Do this. Do this. And you will live. And we talked about this last week. If we would do this, if we would simply do this, then you and I would experience eternal life, not just one day, but in the here and now. Jesus says, do this and you will live. Love God with all that you are and all that you have. And love your neighbor with all that you are and all that you have. Go all in with God. Go all in with love. And you will experience life with you like you have never experienced before. But this man is smart and he wants to test Jesus, put him on trial. He wants to justify himself and vindicate himself. And so he does what I think you and I do. He presses Jesus and he asks one more question. Verse 29. The man wanted to justify his actions. He wanted to justify his behavior, what he had done and what he had not done. Because he's fully aware of what the law says, but he's also fully aware of how he's lived. So we asked Jesus, second question. And who is my neighbor? I love that question. I really love, and you heard Reagan read it from the message. I love this translation that Eugene Peterson did. And this is the way he said it, 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 this verse. He said, looking for a loophole... He asked, and just how would you define neighbor? Looking for a loophole? Don't you love that? Looking to justify himself, looking to vindicate himself. I think this religious expert is doing exactly what you and I do almost every day. Like, Jesus, I know what you said. I know what the law says. But, but I, wanna, I want you to give me the narrowest, most specific definition possible so that I can find a way, find a loophole to justify my actions, to to justify the way that I've lived so that I can still have eternal life. So what I want is just really, can you nail it down for me? Who? Like, give me, I need 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 an answer. What he's looking for is a definition, but what he got was a story. And let's read this again, again from the message that Reagan read earlier, starting in verse 30. It'll be on the screens. Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling, Get this, from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's important. On the way, he was attacked by robbers, and they took his clothes. They beat him up. They went off, leaving him half dead. But luckily, a priest was on the way down the same road. This is fantastic news. If you're the religious expert, and you're hearing this story for the very first time, you're leaning in, and you're hearing this story. Okay, we got this guy from Jerusalem going towards Jericho. So he's not going to Jerusalem. He's going from there to Jericho. And a priest is going the same direction. That means the priest is not going to Jerusalem where the temple is to worship. The priest, who, by the way, is also sort of a religious expert in his own right, is on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho as well. And he sees this man beaten and defeated and, you know, wounded and hurting. This is great news because the religious expert knows what you and I already know is that the law of God has always taught us to love and to help others, right? So this is good news. So you can imagine the surprise on the face of the religious expert when Jesus continues the story and says, But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. 
But don't worry, there's, there's another character coming along. Then a Levite religious man showed up. Okay, the priest didn't do what he should have done. We can all acknowledge that. But this is good news. A Levite's coming by. Now, a Levite, that's simply someone who's from the tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi was the tribe, the whole tribe was dedicated to the temple, to the worship of God, facilitating the, the worship of God for the people of God. Uh, this, this, this person's entire identity and life is wrapped up in service. So if anyone's going to stop and help this man, it's going to be this Levi, because not only is he also sort of a religious expert, he knows the law of God, he knows the commands of God, but... He's also dedicated his entire life to serving others. Surely he's going to help. Jesus said, he also avoided the injured man. All right. So the priest and the Levite, both religious experts in their own right, have both avoided doing what they knew they should have done. And just in case you didn't know, I wanted to kind of rehearse just two or three quick things with you. Because this is what they knew. They knew that in Leviticus 19.18, in the law of God, the law of Moses, it literally says this, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the exact verse that the religious expert just quoted. So we don't know for sure, but assuming that this man was a Jewish man beaten up on the side of the road, the law of God, the word of God, the command of God was that if you see someone, a fellow Israelite, hurting or needing a help, you love them. You love them as you would love yourself. If you were hurting, would you help yourself? Absolutely. That's what you should have done in the situation. But even if that wasn't the case, they knew this. They knew Leviticus 19.34, where the law of God, the word of God said this, don't take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you would love yourself. Remember, you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So even if by chance this man who's beaten up left on the side of the road to die wasn't a fellow Israelite, it didn't really matter. Whoever he was, the priest, the Levite, they should have stopped and helped. And even if that wasn't enough, every single Jew, everyone knew, everyone believed in the creation story where God formed man and woman in his own image. Genesis 1.27, they would have known this since the time they were born. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Every single Jew believed that every single person on the planet, regardless of who they were, where they came from, what they looked like, what language they spoke, Every single person was a person of immeasurable worth because they had intrinsic value, because they were image bearers of the God, the one and only God of the universe. But the priest and the Levite didn't stop to help. But there's a third character that comes along, and you know this. But the religious expert who was hearing the story for the first time didn't know what was about to happen. He's thinking, well, a priest didn't do it. A Levite didn't do it. Is it going to be someone more like me? Maybe more of a common person? Another good Jewish believer in God that's going to come along and help this person? But Jesus literally shocked his audience when he spoke these words for the first time. Jesus said a Samaritan traveling the road came on him And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey and he led him to an inn and made him comfortable. 
In the morning he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, just put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. Jesus, and some of you have heard the story so long you've forgotten this, but Jesus literally makes someone who is an enemy the hero, hero of the story. A Samaritan. Someone that the Jews literally despised. And by the way, the feeling was mutual. He made him the hero of the story. Someone who, if you just roll back in your Bible like one page to Luke chapter 9, what you find is that Jesus himself was just a few days before on his way, and he was going to go visit Samaria. But you know what happened? The Samaritans refused him. They wouldn't let Jesus come into their town. He was turned away. And now Jesus, who has just been turned away by these same Samaritans, makes a Samaritan the hero of his story. And it's this Samaritan who did what everybody else should have done, but nobody else did. And then Jesus asked this question. What do you think? What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated them kindly, the religion scholar, responded. Jesus said, that's it. Go and do the same. The religious expert looking for the narrowest definition possible. Man, this plan backfired, didn't it? (laughs) Because what he got was the broadest possible definition. Jesus says the, the one who was the neighbor, it wasn't the one who looked like him or thought like him or believed like him or spoke like him or behaved like him. The one who was the neighbor, it was the one who came near and the one who had compassion. What, what, what made him his neighbor was, 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 was the nearness and the compassion he says, you want to know who, who your neighbor is? Uh, this is what makes someone your neighbor. Their nearness and your compassion makes them a neighbor. And Jesus says, when you see someone in need, don't see what separates you. Don't see what divides you. See the person in need. If you're near enough to see the need, then you're near enough to have compassion on them. And to enter into that moment and find a way to serve. So I know. I know we're doing this Next Door As It Is In Heaven series right now. And on the news and everywhere around us, we're hearing of just one tragedy after another, right? I mean, honestly, for me, it feels like the last two years. It's been every week or every other week, there's been another breaking story. And it's just pure heartache. The last few weeks, it's been one hurricane after another. And then news breaks this last week of a shooting at a church in Tennessee. And then... Another in Las Vegas, and if you're anything like me, you just don't even know what to do. Just cry. Cry out to God, right? But I saw one story that gave me just a a little glimmer of hope. I don't know if you saw the story. Karen Smerber was at the concert in Las Vegas, like so many people were. And when the shooting started, she was shot. Got shot in the stomach. She's laying on the ground. And she pulls out her phone to call her husband because she's dying. And as she dials the number and starts to talk to him, she feels someone come up behind her and pick her up. It was a guy by the name of Sean Topper. Sean picks up Karen with bullets still flying and carries her to the street, flags down a car. 
They get into the back of the car and he, t- he rides with her to the hospital where she gets the help that she needs and she survives. I, I saw this story uh, from NBC and I want you to see the headline that NBC gave the story. They said, How a Good Samaritan Saved a Las Vegas Victim Amidst the Mayhem. I don't know if Sean is a Christian or a believer in Jesus, but our world labeled him as a good Samaritan because of his courage, because of his nearness, because of his compassion, because of his action. And I feel like if Jesus was telling this story today, you know what he would say? He would say the same thing he said before. Go, go and do the same. Go and do the same. Look for those who are near, that are in need, and find a way to serve. Here's what I don't want to get lost in this series, right? Like you and I, we know this is true, but we struggle with the same question. We struggle with the who. And what if, what if who wasn't limiting? What if who was freeing? What if the question of who could be applied literally to those who live on our right and on our left? And what if we love those across the street with the love of God? And what if when we do that, if, if neighbors weren't just neighbors, those neighbors became friends? And if you're anything like me, then throughout your days and throughout your weeks, you run into the same circles of people, whether they're at where you work or where you go to school or whether they're at the gym or, or wherever you go throughout your day, the grocery store, there's, you see the same people over and over again every week and those people are your neighbors. And if you were to love them with the love of God, if you were allowed the love of God to come through you towards them so they could experience the unconditional love of God through you, then what if those neighbors could also become friends? Here's what I truly believe. I believe God wants to leverage you to love others. And I believe God has positioned you. He has located you. He has given you a place so that he can leverage you to love those around you. And I don't know if you've thought about this, but there are, there are probably people that you are around on a regular basis that God really can't reach any other way except through you. Like, like you're his plan. You're plan A. He has located you and positioned you and given you a place, a station in life where he can leverage you, your influence, your relationships, He can leverage your life, your family, to bring his unconditional love through you as a conduit to other people who otherwise would not experience the unconditional love of God that you and I know and have tasted and have seen. So what would your life look like? And I know know there's tension because the, the reality and the truth is you can't help everyone, and I get that. I get that. And I'm not trying to add to anyone's guilt today, right? In fact, I would love to take that completely off of you and say, don't try to help everyone. But everyone can help someone. And what if you and I just committed to the simple task of loving the one or loving the ones who are near? What if we just committed ourselves to loving the one or loving the ones who are near? What if we believed beyond all doubt that when we ask the question who, we can just open our eyes and see the people in front of us that God has positioned us to love and we choose. We choose like the Good Samaritan chose. 
And it doesn't matter if your literal literal neighbors look like you, think like you, believe like you, behave like you. It doesn't matter if those that you go to school with or go to work with or see at the gym, if they look like you, believe like you, think like you. What matters is their nearness and your compassion. And it does mean forgetting past hurt. It does mean laying down what divides us. It does mean laying down what separates us. And it means leaning in to doing the right thing. Even at personal cost, leaning into love, even if it's a sacrifice. But what would happen if you and I chose to allow God to leverage us to love others? Church, if you would, let's, let's stand together. So this week, chances are, you're going to see someone kind of like the Good Samaritan did, who's been banged up or beat up by life. You're going to come across someone who's in need of encouragement or support. And you don't have to be very perceptive to notice if they're not in a good place. And my encouragement for you and for me, by the way, this week, is that we would lean hard into love. That we would allow God to leverage us to love them. That we wouldn't limit who we love. The religious expert was looking to limit who he loved so he could get into heaven. Let's, let, let's remember, Jesus isn't trying to limit who we love. He's trying to set us free to love. Let's lean in to loving those that God has put us near. And see what happens. See what happens. Because maybe, just maybe... If you and I can commit to loving those who are near. Maybe, just maybe, if we don't try to limit who we love. Maybe, just maybe, if we try to love those who are next door. Then maybe, just maybe, you and I can be a part of participating in making things on earth as they are in heaven. Maybe we can answer Jesus' prayer when he prayed. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Maybe, just maybe, we can experience eternal life in the here and now. And maybe, just maybe, we can make things a little more next door like they are in heaven. Let's sing.